Good evening, everyone. I'm Ian James Wright from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to The Alphabetical Fugazi, the only podcast that devotes an episode each to discussing every song in the band's catalog from Fuga A to Fuga Z. Joining me today to discuss Suggestion from the 1988 self-titled EP is Amy Pickering, who sang in the band Fire Party and contributed vocals to various other projects, worked at Discord for like 20 years, and famously joined Fugazi on stage on several occasions to sing this song. Welcome, Amy. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. It's very nice to have you on. I'm so excited uh, in terms of guests that I have felt really determined to have a, one particular person on one particular episode. It's you for this song um, <laughs> for, for various reasons. So I'm so happy it's, it's really coming together. Um, thank you. And for, you know, for listeners, uh, I, I guess a question that I had up front is, um, you know, how's it been going? And, and for listeners who haven't really um, known what's up with you, I, I did want to recommend that they check out your appearance uh, with the rest of the uh, people from Fire Party on the End on End podcast. They're, they're friends of this show. So uh, I, I would direct listeners there. Anything else you'd like to say about what's been up with you recently? You know, it's um, it's been it's been busy. So I left Discord in about 2000, I guess it was, to move to New York State, not New York City. And um, so that was 22 years at Discord, which is a really long time. And yeah, you know, I I would do I have done since that time a few projects with other bands, sang backups, um, and most recently sang backups on a new screen recording um, down at Inner Ear. Um, oh, you were just there then, right? Yeah, I was just there a couple weeks ago. I stopped in uh, at, at Discord to pick up the microphone that I'm recording on right now. Don was liquidating <laughs> some of his inventory. And uh, and Ian Mackay was there. He told me he was there to work on a scream session that day. I'm sure we probably passed like ships in the night. Right? That's exactly it. But there were a lot of people there passing like ships in the night. Like people came to the studio while I was recording. I never knew they showed up. And that was unfortunate. So it was a, it was a good a good catch up with so many people i mean since i've been gone for 20 years from dc so it's nice to see people and i have to say it's just like i have you know saw last week and we were at the studio and all of a sudden it's like hey what's going on how's work yesterday you know kind of so so that was great um and that's that is probably my favorite thing that's happened but i've also done um I did a recording with uh, Swarm of Flies, which was uh, Ken Walrob from um, a number of bands, um, Eternal Black being one of them, and Chris Haskett played on it. And it was a, a COVID project where somebody laid down the original file that would be Ken and then passed it to Haskett and passed it around. It got to me and I put vocals on it and it's um, it's out there in the ether somewhere. That's awesome. I'll I'll try to look that up and put it in the show notes for listeners so they can have a listen. Great. Yeah, this this song's called Wendigo. Wendigo. Got it. Yeah. In terms of uh the Discord days, you know, first of all, I I have in my possession a little a little tiny note from you written on a Discord catalog saying, you know, <laughs> thanks for thanks for writing in. So that's that's one of my little artifacts from, you know, back in the 90s. Nice. It's cool to get that like I love that little personal touch uh that you would include something like that. It it really this was before I think I had probably been to a Fugazi show even. So um it, it it's nice to just see that little personal side of a band i only knew from afar at the time and uh, and their sort of like surrounding orbit excellent i still uh i still 
am disappointed when I don't get notes and things that I get from small companies. I, I feel like you should always get a note. <laughs> totally. And uh, while you were there, I, I feel like I didn't know this until sort of re- relatively recently, but um, you, you basically coined the term Revolution Summer. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. It, uh, yes is the short answer. The, <laughs> the, the long answer is, uh, we were, it was at, um, NPC, which was the neighborhood planning council. And it was a summer job and a whole bunch of other punk rockers were there. And we were, you know, hanging around, not really doing anything, but making money for it. Um, and, uh, so that's, we were all sitting there scheming and not, that's what happened. We, we we made made some ransom notes and sent them out to the peoples. It's uh, I'm sure it's surprising how long that has lasted. Has become just it's become a real thing in the world. And I'm I'm sure at the time you were just like, hey, here's here's an idea. Let's send out some letters and and <laughs> it really and just sort of took root, yeah, didn't it? It did. And let's hope we can stimulate something. So if if it's out in the world, that's great. I hope it's actually stimulating something though <laughs> yeah totally well you know speaking of stimulating something we're here to talk about suggestion and um not only is this a song that uh you contributed vocals to on many occasions and people can see that on youtube like one good example is uh the 1991 february uh sacred heart church performance like that's on youtube for people to see and you get up and, and sing suggestion with the band um I, I recommend that, and I'll put that in the show notes. But there's a story out there. There's sort of like various stories. You know, I've I've even heard people say that you co-wrote the song with Ian MacKay. That's probably not exactly right, and it's more of it was partly inspired by conversations that you had with Ian and uh, that he had with other women. Is that sort of your understanding of the role that you played in the origin of the song? I, I definitely might have um been content fodder but i i i did not co-write that song um ian however was exposed to me daily coming out to discord and i was an angry um uh subject of of, of people you know um catcalling me on the street or you know let's say punk calling like that you know you looked you looked different your hair was short you were wearing boots or whatever and you'd get yelled at on the street that way too but I used to feel so enraged by the time I had walked you know the 15 minutes from the subway to discord I would get to work and just be losing my mind so angry I mean if you can imagine a turning bright red and just at the injustice of it and the, the, the everything horrible feelings so ian was always there for that and you know he sometimes could talk me down and sometimes he could only commiserate and um i to to see somebody become so emotionally disabled by that has to have at least kind of triggered a little like huh what's what what is that? Like, why? And why do they have to do that? And I, I know that that was some impetus of that and why, and why it was especially appropriate that he asked me to sing. I think that's why he asked me to sing it, because essentially he was voicing in better words than I would have um, what I was thinking. It's so interesting to me, like how ignorant um, I am and have been at times about women's experiences like that. So I'm, you know, I'm so glad 
that uh, you were able to express that to him and then he was able to sort of express it to other people in song because you know for example I'm like I'm almost 40 years old at this point and only a few like I want to say like five years ago or so I was talking to a woman who was uh, who was in my band at the time and you know she she had like relayed a story about being catcalled to me and and was saying something about like guy making sort of like kissy noises at her and and I was sort of like oh oh wait it's like literally catcalling like making noises the way that somebody would call a cat that that's how much I didn't understand like I I I thought yeah. it was always just like hey baby what's up like I didn't even know that so that just revealed to me like I am really out of touch with women's experiences in some ways yeah that I mean cat that's that's where it comes from but you know catcalling does now include all the rest of the things that they can say to, in, to especially as a pickup line it and i it doesn't have to be male or female it's everybody but yeah it's it is a constant part of women's lives i think less so but it's definitely not gone away yeah that's something i meant to ask you about you know it's been over three decades since the song suggestion was recorded and and that you were you know on stage uh, singing it with them I guess I'm just wondering, have your thoughts or feelings around what's expressed in the song, do you think they've changed or taken on any more nuance, or do you think the world has changed in any particular ways in in those past three decades? The world has absolutely changed. Um, uh, So what I can say affirmatively, pretty affirmatively, is that probably the same walk that I used to take looking the way I used to look, if I did that nowadays, I don't think I would have the same experience. I don't think I would get catcalled. I don't think that, I mean, not looking the way I do as however old I am these days. Um, but, but in the, I do think the world has changed enough. So that, that has diminished in, in some portion. I can't really say how much, but I do feel like that's no longer, a real standard of being. I think that has changed over the years. I, I think there's less cat calling in the world, certainly in the United States. I don't know culturally in many other places. Um, it still exists. And I also think um, that kind of behavior may die off with <laughs> a generation that thought that was okay. Um, but it's the mindset that's behind it is not gone and i don't i actually don't think it's ever going to go away you know i was i was like five years old when the song first came out so (laughs) i i didn't have the experience of being in an adolescent or post-adolescent and and hear the song and have it sort of change my preconceptions i think instead it sort of played a role in forming my Mm. my ideas about the way we act and, and the way we should act um, but yeah, part of me, it, it, it's hard not to wonder like how much impact a song like this would have had. And, and if it really did good work in the world by giving people sort of pause when thinking about how to act and interact with people. Yeah. I, I, I am really glad to hear that, that you heard it later and it helped to help, helped you to form your ideas about it. I, I do think we, you know, music is undoubtedly a universal language and it affects people so deeply 
maybe consciously, maybe unconsciously, but it affects people so deeply that I'm glad there are positive messages or reasonable messages to help people find ways of thinking and acting. And I'm really, I'm really glad for punk rock because most of the time, most of the time, I felt that punk rock was pretty reasonable about saying this is bullshit and this is not to be accepted. Yeah, I guess that's another a- aspect of it is not just sort of in the in the broader world, but in the in the sort of punk scene in particular. Um, I, I have read accounts of how different things were uh, in the '80s in terms of gender, sexual politics, and you know harassment to, at shows. I do feel like that has probably changed a great deal. Well, I've had all sorts of different experiences at shows, like within our community. There were this is this is my experience. Not everybody has this experience, but um, I, I didn't really feel like. I thought sometimes there was a sort of gender stereotype where the woman would get harassed in our community, but I I thought it was not not widespread. I thought it was generally instigated by outsiders, not insiders, people who came to the show who weren't really part of the community. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at the same time, things were measured with a different yardstick. It was not, you know, if somebody said, you, you're so-and-so, I'd just tell them to get screwed and, and you know, go away. And it wouldn't, it's, it wouldn't even register mm-hmm. as a thing. Um, I do think that in modern times, we've been pretty much manhandled. Oops, is that the wrong word to use? Um <laughs> Um, sort of, we are much more sensitized to pretty much every offense, any offense it's in language, it's in behavior, it's in everything, everything we are more sensitized to, which is good and bad. Uh, I think there's two sides to that. Um, but I, I, I do think that a baseline for say the DC punk rock community has been created and sort of a standard of existing in that community is generally understood. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. That's, I think people both are thinking a lot more nowadays before they act, but also as soon as they hear themselves say or do something, I know this is true for me. I I'm sort of immediately examining it uh, and asking myself, um, was that, was that the wrong term to use? Was that, is what I just said, um, you know, possibly hurtful to somebody and and should i immediately sort of uh clarify or or apologize for what i said and um it's like it's it's mentally taxing at times but i think it's a good thing that that is the modern instinct now yeah i agree i agree i think it is it is a good thing um i do think it's it is really taxing and i think forgiveness is not the first thing that people feel when people make an error and that is a that's my problem with it is that you know, somebody says something that's not quite right. I said manhandle. Um, is that, I certainly don't mean anything by that that is offensive to a particular human group, anything. Um, but I, again, it's something now I'm examining a word that I have formerly used with a plum of freedom, I guess. And, you know, anyway, I don't, yeah, I think it's a, a really, it's a very complex 
multi multifaceted issue that yeah. is, has good and bad to it. So yeah. Um, well, adding to the complexity, uh, of course, something <laughs> that I have to address when talking about this song is is that not um, everybody was was sort of so psyched about the way Ian Mackay handled the issues he was writing about, in particular in writing uh, in, in first person from a woman's perspective. And I think that's something that has come up various times, you know, since it was first written. Um, f- for example, I'd written this down. I feel like it was in my notes somewhere. Um, you know, Kathleen Hanna had written about how she had initially sort of bristled at Ian doing this and then sort of eventually came around to being grateful that he was addressing it and, and saying that it was the only time she had really seen something like that, a man in his position use his platform that way. But it is one of these things that has come up. So I, I was wondering about your thoughts uh, on that and if you've, if you've ever spoken to people who feel that way and, and what, what that conversation was like. Um, I haven't. Um spoken to people who feel that way i i i've heard the argument um and i understand it in a very um, modern mindset um but i don't i never have seen a problem with somebody trying to put themselves in the shoes of somebody else and the minute you put everything in the first person even the audience listens differently they think why can't i what you know, like me, and, and if they're singing the song, there's a huge room of boys singing along saying, why can't I walk down the street? Doesn't that enter your conscious more easily, more quickly? There's something about that that I think is absolutely appropriate to, and yes, to use his platform to make that statement much more clear to everyone. Because the minute I say, why can't I do this? I think to myself, yeah, why can't I do this? And I, I think that's is a, it was a very powerful thing. And I guess, I mean, I knew where he came from, so it did never offend me in any way. But yeah. I, I have to say, I never, never thought twice about it um, hmm. because I understood that this was trying to to let somebody else in on the way this feels from a guy who's and so if a guy tells you to do tells another guy something i imagine they listen better when a girl tells them to do that you know in that stereotype which may or may not always apply but if your friend is telling you that you listen differently than if some outsider is telling you that somebody who is an other from you is telling you that and and i and and i also have to say that you know Everybody has that problem. Why does everybody have to look at me and think I'm X, Y, or Z? Everybody has a problem like that. This is not just gender specific. I know in the song, you know, in the eyes of men is the answer, is, is the word that genders it. But it's, it's, it's a universal problem. So anyway, that's, that's my experience of it. I'm glad you said that because I, I don't want to sound like um, I'm, I'm being like, here, let me take uh, the song suggestion and tell you about what it means to me as a man. Um, but, but I do always like when I hear the line, suffer your interpretation of what it is to be a man. I, mm-hmm. you know, ever since I was a kid, I always experienced that like, like that really resonated with me. And I think it's probably true of a lot of young men who become interested in the punk scene and just alternative music 
that they feel sort of oppressed by a, a larger idea of what it is to be a man and, and they're they they don't identify with that and they seek an alternative way to to be a man and um and to to have a different experience of masculinity and redefine it for themselves i really always felt that strongly um even divorced from the rest of the meaning of the song yeah great that's that's exactly it it's it is so introspective in this way and it's really really it hits a universal kind of note, I think. So uh, I'm 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 glad to hear you say that. It's really it's really interesting. It really deepens the whole song. I think. I did find the quote from Kathleen Hanna. So I'll I'll just quote her so as not to put words in her mouth. But she wrote about this on the the NME. Um, so quote: Maybe it's because I'm older, but I feel so happy when people try. I've talked about Suggestion by Fugazi in terms of this issue a lot, and how I had mixed feelings about that song shortly after I first heard it. One day I would be pissed, like, why is he singing in the first person like he's a woman himself? And then another day I would be in love with it. In the end, it was the first time I heard men in the punk scene say, I give a shit about sexism. And it meant a lot to me and made me feel very supported. It made me feel like I was wanted in their audience. When men sing about sexism, I'm typically pretty thrilled, but I think it's important for them not to take over the conversation. End quote. So there it is. Well, it's interesting. I mean, that's a gr- it's a great quote. It's a great thought. I'm, one of the things that I, I totally agree, 100%. But, or and, not but, um, it is it's important not to let men take over the conversation and that in in the old dc punk scene the men were the ones with the voices so if they indeed did try and take that on what needed to happen was a females needed to take on that conversation and there weren't a lot of female bands so i mean then you know kathleen hannah and bikini kill and you know they they were there and they picked up the mantle and that was really important um but it is easy to tell them they can't run the conversation but there needs to be another voice joining in if they're not going to be allowed to take over the conversation there needs to be the other voice then and i have to say in a in a punk scene when most bands are all men you need other people to get in there and and you know speak up so that kathleen hannah totally put her money where her mouth is that's absolutely what she did yeah yeah, awesome. I feel like what we have heard and continue to hear from feminist women is, you know, empathize with us and not only empathize with us, but but talk to other men about it. And and so I, I like I feel like that's exactly if you tell Ian Mackay to to empathize with you and think about something like that's probably going to come out in a song. So, it, yeah, I, I do feel like it would be it would be very tiresome to like hear somebody say that and then be like, well, no, not don't do it like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Ian Mackay has he's talked in interviews about this and, you know, sort of ex- explained himself and explained the situation and, and how he talked with uh, the women in his life and that inspired it. But he's also said, you know, quoting from his interview in a uh, friend of the show, Conan Neutron's podcast, Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal. He said, but also I come from punk and I fucking sing about what I want to sing about. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so there you go. There you go. <laughs> also, I don't know about this, uh, but um, that interview he did on Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal was super interesting to me. I don't, I'm not sure if you were aware of this, but he said, quote, 
I was trying to write a conversation between a man and a woman in which they use the same words, but the source of the words changes the meaning. So the woman says, why can't I walk down a street free of suggestion? She's talking about men suggesting, suggesting things to her. The man says, why can't you walk down the street free of suggestion? But he's talking about her behaving suggestively. Um, and then he says, frankly, it was too hard, and I didn't like the man at all in the conversation. I just didn't <laughs> think what he had to say was productive. So instead, I decided to write a song, as I imagined maybe a woman might speak about violence. Um, so that was fascinating to me. That this, the, the genesis of the song was like him trying to write this interesting little dialogue. That's fascinating to me as well. I have not heard that, and that is really perfectly Ian to say I didn't like the guy at all so I took him out, <laughs> which is awesome because yeah he's trying to do that and he's like no that person doesn't actually I don't want their I don't want to give them a voice right yeah I like the the way that he brings up assumed roles expected roles not only for women but for men we sit back mm-hmm. like they taught us we keep quiet like they taught us uh, and later on we don't mind we don't want anyone to mind us so we play the roles that they assigned us um, yeah. And it's not only about women, it's about men staying complicit and not not speaking up when they see this. And and in a way, a commentary on the song itself. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm speaking up right now and, and talking to you people at my punk show right now um, about this. Um, so ig- ignore the, the roles that have been assigned to you and the conception that you might have that you're not supposed to call out other men on their behavior. I mean, he really covers a lot of bases in that song. It's a, and it's it's it it is a really uh, as as you've said yourself, you know, it, it helped to shape the way you looked at the 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 thing, the issues that all came from there. And it's I I, I can't yeah I, I don't have much to add to that. It's it really is very thoughtful um, and powerful. Yeah, I did want to talk about the the music of the song a little i don't know if you had um much to say about that but something that immediately occurred to me is the way the song starts off with these sort of like muted um guitar parts and then uh after the after the band kicks in you know brendan hits his snares and then sort of the bass uh joe's bass takes it well it doubles the guitar part that ian's playing and then sort of takes it over and i think that's a nice illustration of ian mckay's background as a bass player and how I think he really thought in terms about playing guitar, sort of in terms of playing bass. And I think here you have an example of how it's like sort of the, the guitar part becomes the bass part um, because it really is a nice groove. And then he sort of uh, assumes the, the role of more of the guitarist playing over what, what Joe's laying down. Yeah. What do you want me to add to that? (laughs) (laughs) I I love I love the way the song builds and really and 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 really you know illustrates the the song with with it you know and I it just it yeah you know Fugazi's genius right <laughs> yeah and it, it's of course it's super effective how quiet it gets toward the end also right um and uh I I think that. I think the effectiveness of that sort of doubled when they when they played it live and um, just sort of really brought the volume level down and he's sort of delivering those final lines very quietly and then of course sort of jumps back into being loud uh, in that final line. One interesting thing that I wanted to mention about how it the song originally was and then 
came to be on the record where it just sort of ends with that word guilty and then it cuts off and goes immediately into into glue man our friend Jared Coffin had emailed Guy Picciotto and was, was sort of asking him about this. And Guy said about that, that, quote, My memory is that the full recorded version goes on somewhat longer instrumentally after that guilty. But when we were sequencing the record, we felt it would be stronger and more jarring to have that abrupt cutoff and have it go straight into the opening guitar of Glue Man. It just felt more exciting to us and more unexpected. We often worked really hard on the way the spacings worked between songs and did a lot of those kind of abrupt cuts, like on Red Medicine, the way the noisy intro jumps into the body of the song Do You Like Me, for example. Um, so, yeah, there you go. So, somewhere out there, there's a master tape of this song, and uh, they continue going on after Guilty and jamming on that for a while, I guess. And uh, it's one of the great unheard bits of Fugazi existing somewhere yeah, in the Yeah, I think I've heard it at some point, um, but I totally know that sequencing and, and spacing between the songs is really a huge part of Guy's world. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure the others, yeah. but I only have listened to a lot of music with Guy. And so it, and it really is, is something that, you know, grew to be a thing that I really pay attention to. So yeah, I do appreciate the way that Fugazi has sequenced and, and spaced their, their, their songs. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's a real classic moment to me. And I think it's, it's sort of only heightened by, the way that glue man starts with that sort of like it's it's a little reminiscent of a some kind of a siren which is just like super appropriate for after you shout guilty mm, yeah yeah um, well in every show i talk about ratings which is how i would sort of place the song in my pantheon of Fugazi songs just in just in that context from one to five stars of all the Fugazi songs that exist. Do you have an opinion on uh, w- how you think about this song? Is it one of the all-time greats for uh, Fugazi? Um, uh, I have never rated songs in my whole entire life. Um, so that's a real hard get. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to make you start here. I, yeah, no, I think it's to. an amazing song. But then I'm like, well, what songs do I like better? And then I go back to that record and I pick out half the songs. And then I go to the other record and I pick out half the songs. I don't think I don't think I can do that. And also, because I have a part in that song, it's even harder because it rings a whole different set of bells as well as as just a listening thing. So. Yeah, you have you have no objectivity let's here. Be let's honest. be honest. I don't. <laughs> kind of never have, but but especially yeah. I just I I I yeah. just remember. I have I have memories of, of of suggestion that I I think of when you think of rating. I'm like, well, I can't rate that. I just but but we sang, <laughs> I can tell you like I when we sang it when I sang it with them in Amsterdam that was a really good show and I really enjoyed that because I happened to be there when they were there and you know I can I can go through the shows and at my the times that I sang it with them well the ones I remember at least and and think about it that way but I could never rank that song so yeah I'm not going to give you any stars for it because I don't have any stars to give <laughs> If you do want to vocalize any of those memories, you're welcome to do it right here. Is there, like, is there any any particular moments in shows that uh, that you remember that you feel are, are worth talking about? Um, no, I don't. I don't think I have. I don't have a um, a real story about these things. What I m- mostly remember is that Fugazi sort of free 
jazz influence and ability where they can pick up and stop in any place was one of the, my favorite parts about singing with them is because if I messed up, they just totally picked up. Um, and Guy was always there with me singing. And that was also an amazing, uh, I don't know. There was a sort of camaraderie is not the word I'm looking for. It's more like bonding. We were bonding in those moments too. And it was a, there, the act of singing a song so personal with some of your closest friends in the world is a real special treat that you might know in a band, you know, you have a band and there you are doing this thing, but this wasn't my band. I was being asked to sing with them and it was really, it, it really reached deep into my soul and it has never left. It's a, it was really an amazing experience, honestly. Well, I again, I certainly would recommend to uh, listeners that if they somehow have not heard a version of Suggestion that Amy sings on, um, it's worth looking up because, like, you, not only just because you are a woman and this song is in part based on your experiences, but simply in terms of performance. I mean, you uh, you have a very powerful delivery, and your voice per se is really great and great for the Thank song. You. So. Bye. Yeah, Thanks. well done. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, just to let some of our friends on the Alphabetical Fugazi Facebook page get their comments in, Jason Dix says, Extremely powerful song. We had a project in freshman English to analyze a song and write an essay. I chose suggestion for my project. My teacher asked me for a copy of the song, hoping it left an impression. Christopher Henderson Pepper says, I am a public school sex educator who helps coordinate healthy masculinity groups with middle and high school students. I started doing this work when I was in college in 1993 after a friend was assaulted, something I talked to Greater Good Science Center about here, and uh, I will, I will uh, add the link to that in the show notes. This work is important, but it can also be challenging and progress can seem frustratingly slow. The music of Fugazi and this song in particular has helped me find the balance between anger and mission, and I wish there were more men speaking up like them. Dallin McDougall says, I think it was this podcast I learned that Ian originally wrote lyrics from the male and female point of view, but dropped the male POV because he was just unlikable. I wish I could see what those lyrics looked like. Also, I love how dynamic the live version of this is, at least the version from an old Austin show I was at. I was listening the other day, and it gets so quiet for a while there at the end, and Ian just suddenly explodes, not in the normal guilty point, but at a different point. I wasn't ready, and it scared the shit out of me. Luckily, I'm a good driver and didn't crash my car. Rob Virginio says, One of the Fugazi songs that, after listening to it for almost three decades now, still can bring me to tears. I have twin nine-year-old girls, and I recently introduced them to this song. I don't go into heavy details, but I try to explain the importance of the song and that it will be important to them one day, too. They already enjoy it due to the catchy Joe bassline. The only other thing I really like to uh, ask is, do you have any plugs? You mentioned some of the newer recordings that you're involved with. And again, I'll put those in the show notes for listeners. But anything you'd like to draw our listeners' attention to, um, you know, projects that you've worked on or, or anything else? Nope. Nope, I'm cool. I'm good. I think I mentioned it. I'm psyched to hear the Scream record. It is so good. It's so yeah. Scream. 
Don't don't miss it. <laughs> All right. That counts. That All counts. Right. That's a good plug. Okay. Well, uh, as usual for listeners, my only plug is uh, to, hey, email me. Fugazi A to Z at gmail.com is the address if you have anything to add about this or any upcoming songs. And you can also uh, join the Facebook group called The Alphabetical Fugazi. And um, I hope you'll join me for the next episode when we'll be discussing Sweet and Low. Until then, keep your eyes open. <laughs>